As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to All the Glitters. A podcast about inspiring relationships and stellar humans. This is a big part of really knowing oneself, how you take accountability and self-reflect, because knowing oneself also means knowing where you might be coming up short, and blind spots are simply blind spots. All righty, friends. Welcome to the All the Glitters podcast. We got a little hot and ready biscuit of an <laughs> episode today. Served just the way you like it. Oh, presumptuous. Also, that immediately made me think of Kentucky Fried Chicken Biscuits with the manufactured melted butter and jelly. And now I'm hungry. When was the last time you had KFC? Have we ever had KFC together? I don't think we have. Adding it to the list. Uh, whenever my parents used to go out of town when I was a kid and my grandparents would watch my sister and I, it would be KFC every single time. And oh my gosh, my sister and I used to drink the little creamers like straight out of the whatever it's called, container. Those little those little creamer shots. Yeah, those. Oh, doing shots. People are going <laughs> to think we're doing like a sponsored KFC ad if we keep pulling at this thread. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. KFC actually shaped part of my childhood, which absolutely brings me to the right direction of this episode, which is all about knowing oneself through nostalgic foods. Just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of wanted to answer the question, how do you really get to know who you are? Just last week, we had Alexia McLeod on the podcast. She mentioned how when she asks her clients, what three things would you say to describe yourself? or straight up, who are you really? Most people struggle with the answer. So why don't we just try it ourselves? If, if you had to describe yourself in a phrase or two, what would you say? I would say thrower of confetti, sunshine vibes, with a hint of no bowl on top, forever work in progress, and currently on the Hot Mess Express, but still enjoying the scenery. <laughs> Where I can. How about you? Choo choo. Okay, that was like really good. Was that premeditated? No, I mean, I've been thinking about it <laughs> just because of this episode. Well, I feel like I'm in class and I have to follow the girl who started her presentation a month before it was due, which, which actually is who you are, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but mind you, this was your idea. Little exercise. 
Uh, okay, fair. Let's see. I am resourceful, gritty, sometimes funny, Goofy. but always witty. <laughs> um, uh, so line. For, so line. much for the wit. Line. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm definitely resourceful and gritty, though. I'm trying to word the last part, a phrase that maybe denotes something to the effect of while I'm a very physical individual, I'm someone who values mental fitness and vitality much more in both myself and others. Boom. Just did. I win. Okay. Well, this is not a competition. So. Sounds like loser talk to me. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to add competitive to your description then. But I did like the exercise because it gives you a tiny chance to observe ego. But at the same time, it's really hard because you might think of yourself one way, but your mind goes through this whole subconscious analysis of how the person asking that question or who is on the receiving end might interpret it. So you're kind of already judging how others might view your view of yourself. Does that make sense? It does. I think of our Peter Crone episode. Oh, me too. Where he explained why it's so important to be intentional with the words you use to describe ourselves. For example, I'm anxious. Totally incorrect. I feel anxious in that moment. It should not be made so global as something that describes who I am as a human being. Right. And something that is a hot topic right here now is not globally categorical of who you are. So for example, you are not your job. You are not your Olympic sport. You are not your muscles or your fat. You are not your Instagram account or the number of followers you have. But people might know you best by something and even by the things you accomplish, but you are not your accomplishments. And basing your self-esteem purely on performance can morph what was once a true joy in your life into something that is this massive cloud of pain. It makes joy and acceptance of self very circumstantial and unfairly conditional. Failures or moments in life that were or are really negative don't define who you are either. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But they do force you to sharpen your ability to problem solve and they force you to redirect a flow of energy around a potential roadblock. But it isn't defining of who you are. And that is really getting to the meat of what we want to discuss in this episode. Yeah. How can we get to know ourselves better? And fun fact, if you actually Google that statement, you will get these website links and exercises where they ask you questions and you have to write them all down and then go over it with somebody like an accountability partner. But even in those exercises, it becomes so black and white and defined by the words or adjectives that you are using. So with this episode, it's an attempt at a more experiential approach to understanding self. Who are you? We've broken this into five categories. So number one, your childhood or your past. Number two, life adversities or challenges. Number three, observing ego. Number four, relationships. And number five, just be you, man. Just be you. Acceptance. Let's start with number one, the past, mainly childhood and how a lot of these moments, experiences, growing pains do shape the way we react to things now or in the now. And I'm going to let you lay the foundation because I have a feeling you can furnish this category very well. <laughs> she was making fun of me of using the word furnish too much. So now I'm getting shade thrown my way. He uses it a lot. Well played. I believe our past is what gives us our propensities. It merely informs your subconscious tendencies. 
So it's not the decision maker necessarily. It's the nudge you feel in a certain direction. Essentially, it's the formed character grooves that influence you but are not deciding what you do. For example. Yeah, I was like, please give us an example because I am a little lost. Let me say this six other different ways. Okay, helpful. <laughs> so I didn't grow up with a lot of resources, but I had a father who was very clever and persistent. So I was pushed in the direction of becoming a very resourceful adult now in the present. But it was merely a nudge in that direction. So the other shoe that has to drop is how I started to identify and then went on to nourish this quality as a value. But it was a trait informed by my past. Okay, I get it. And I truly believe that your past serves certain purposes in building a lot of your character and confidence. But I do not think that your past has to define you. So feeling defined by your past can sometimes create behavioral patterns that do not serve you. And you can fall into these unproductive cycles. To think of the past as a series of little moments or facets that chipped out different angles of life and light, but you don't have to go back there nor carry it with you in a way that tethers you to unpleasant feelings. The past is a place of reference, not residence. Oh, well, that should go on our wall somewhere above the kitchen. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> um, I'm writing that down. But yes, also the past is unchangeable. So you as a human are forever moving and changing through all these present moments that carry you to the next thing. But once it passes you by, what is truly left is this combination of things in the present you focus on. And maybe it's a reflection of things people you couldn't control that added some grit to your plate. And maybe it's a lesson to use in the future. Maybe it's a form of hope or excitement for something new. But with everything I've experienced in the past seven months, and I have to tell you with each passing month, I'm just like, oh good, another month down. We survived. That's in the past onto the next. But I have to constantly remind myself to not carry anger in my heart because it does take away from loving the present and finding things in the now that should not be stripped of joy. And yes, this lawsuit is destructive to my well-being on so many levels, but so much of it focuses on the past, past moments of trauma and things I hate revisiting. So I've kind of created this major focus toward gratitude and things I feel that are true blessings in the now and letting go where I can because letting go doesn't mean I forget or stay ignorant. Rather, I just embrace the present. It is almost an understanding that, yes, the past is there, but I am here now and what is here in the now deserves extra strength to truly right. live in. Forgiving, not forgetting. Yeah. And I will say, just being in this with you, we are definitely experiencing this process through our own unique ways and a lot of how we deal with it does have to do with our past or more specifically our past experiences. Your focus, your mental toughness, it most certainly was informed by, I would say, a long-lasting gymnastics career that was very mentally and emotionally challenging. I think that's been a great facilitator of learning how to live life in tandem with something that is so gravitational and consuming. Another point worth making is that your past merely turned your shoulders and directed you in a particular orientation. You 
have made the decision to sharpen and nourish those tools and fine tune a specific type of graceful mental toughness. It doesn't just happen. You have to actively water these traits. That is why challenges are so important in guiding who we are and the characteristics we assimilate. That was really nice. And I like that a lot. And it also takes us to the next category of challenges and adversities and how that plays a role in really knowing yourself. Now, these can be past challenges or present challenges, but regardless of when they happen, what makes them significant to getting to know self is they both reveal information about self and how you respond and also force you to exert effort, whether that effort is productive or unproductive, into problem solving. And that absolutely influences how we evolve. And another way to say it is challenges force us to make decisions and our decisions influence the collective of who we are. For example, and I think this is an easily relatable example. Fresh out of college, I thought I wanted to go into law. I was taking prep classes for the LSAT and padding my resume accordingly, or at least trying to as I was unsuccessfully applying to paralegal jobs. (laughs) I finally get an internship type role at this law firm in Austin. I realize immediately I hated it. It's just not the type of work nor schedule I want to do indefinitely. So here I am, freshly graduated, realizing I don't have a clear trajectory on many levels. And it was a major challenge, but it forced me to make the decision on, do I continue on a path I know isn't going to fulfill me? Or do I start immediately exploring other areas of interest to create some positive momentum? Well, what did you choose? (laughs) (laughs) The suspense builds. Obviously, I chose the latter, which eventually that led me to New York City and starting my path in the fitness world. But I needed to first be confronted with the challenge of what I spent the past four years in college and one year post prepping for wasn't the path I actually wanted for myself. So I was forced to adapt and find something more fulfilling because of this specific challenge. And obviously that experience encouraged you to tap into the parts of who you are to put yourself on a trajectory more authentic to your blueprint. And I think a lot of people can relate to having a shift in career that was excited by a challenge that revealed to them who they are and what they want. It also makes me think about people who have really been through the ringer in life, whether it's a chronic health issue or family issues. These kind of challenges can be really limiting and suffocating, almost like the world is just continually serving up that bitter medicine to them always. And I think the people who can separate those things from who they are actually are. The people who can say, I know there are those bitter parts of my life and the world out there, but I will not allow those parts of the world or my experiences actually make me bitter. I think those are the people that have a really strong investment in self and have a really good sense of self and who they are. It's like if you can use challenges in a productive way to make you sharper or more aware, you're going to become a very happy person or at least be very satisfied with your life because you'll have cultivated so many tools over the years through this process and observing yourself in so many different environments and contexts. And I just, I think that's such an effective way to better understand who you are. And one last thing I'll say here when dealing with challenging environments and people, it's so important to identify 
the thing that is out of order. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's a certain environment, but regardless, the real power is knowing yourself in that moment and how that can help you handle it more effectively. And actually that brings us to category three about observing ego (laughs) and being self-aware, which I, I know that may sound redundant, but stick with us on this because there is something to be said about how you see yourself and when to really check and audit yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) So number three, observing ego or self-awareness. So we've all heard the adage that it is important to love yourself. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you just accept everything about yourself. It's okay to want better for you. It's okay to show up better for others so you have a more positive impact on those around you. I think a lot of times society hands out this prescription that self-love means embracing every aspect of self, which to me sounds a little unrealistic and complacent. Being critical of how you act, think, and show up is all about accountability and finding a way to maintain objectivity so you can observe ego and make a reasonable assessment to the aforementioned. In summation, self-improvement requires you to observe ego which leads to self-awareness. And then in turn, you are able to better know where you might want to reinvest in self. That was, yeah, that was a lot. And and I agree with it. Self-care is not just this pampering of emotions and rituals. It's addressing problematic thinking, working through your issues, ones that you're having or bad habits, let's say that are contributing to current pain, holding yourself accountable to why things are the way they are. Uh, gives you a great deal of tools to map out a better scenario. So doing your own self-work to be emotionally literate or emotionally intelligent. And actually a great example of this is just being authentic when you mess up. I always remember an authentic apology versus a crap apology. Are you trying to tell me no, something? No, not you. Definitely not you. But I, I do think knowing how to really actually apologize so that you mean it and you embrace it is a really important quality or an important part of someone because it means you're like fully taking accountability and you're really putting that person's value at the forefront. There is a level of maturity that comes with understanding you have your own toxic traits and sometimes they inhibit your growth or take you further away from the type of person you want to be. Maybe they're taking you from the type of things you want to materialize in life, but you have to be willing to see yourself objectively in order to know these things. Are you ready for what I think is kind of an unpopular opinion? Will it help me get to know myself better? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <Then> no. <laughs> this might just be a little bit of a rant, but I think it kind of fits okay, the Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I read somewhere recently, so I can't take full credit for this, but here it goes. The attitude that says, that's just how I am, take it or leave it, is a sign of immaturity and suggests inconsistency and in actually knowing oneself. As an adult, It is your responsibility to figure out which of your traits are toxic and are negatively impactful towards other people and the ones you love. Eventually, you need to learn how to fix those that aren't particularly productive for you. If you truly believe you do not need to change anything about yourself, even at the very least, the worst in you, and that people will just have to deal with it, then I'm sorry, you're kind of still a child. No, actually, I don't think that's that unpopular of an opinion. There's definitely some tough love to it, but very appropriate for this topic and why this is a big part of really knowing oneself. 
how you take accountability and self-reflect because knowing oneself also means knowing where you might be coming up short and blind spots are simply blind spots. So it's good to have people that can help shed some light and just remind yourself that you're not always going to be the best version of you. And when you can lean into areas of improvement and grow as you go, that's a, that's a real sign of maturity. It does take a large degree of, of maturity to say, I messed up here. I was in the wrong. And in order to get to that place, you do have to observe ego and see yourself in a specific environment and audit it with a degree of objectivity in order to reach that conclusion. Right. Okay. Moving on to the fourth category, which is relationships and also kind of values. Just as we all get challenged through the process of knowing ourselves, we are also challenged through the process of knowing others or more simply put, our relationships. Yep. And we formulate our definition of things typically in contrast to others. That is why relationships are important to helping you better understand self. Yeah, and we've been together over three years now, and I can say that I know you pretty darn well and have we've both done a lot of growing together, but this doesn't have to be in just the context of an intimate relationship. Simply when you're really close with someone and you've been able to interact and observe them in various environments, you have more context for who they are and you're able to reflect certain aspects to them through conflict or celebration that reveal areas where they might have previously been unaware. So for example, you learned that you're a bulldog person. Oh my God. All of that buildup, I thought you were about to say something extremely profound or deeply insightful. How was that not profound? (laughs) I'm like, I'm definitely going to learn something about myself here. You can't even imagine your life without Winnie now. (laughs) Yes, I did learn that through my relationship to you. You're welcome. Your loved ones, friends, and family, they impact you and they, they reflect back to you what you're projecting to the world. So it pays to observe how they see you and what they're mirroring back to you because it's more data in trying to discern who we actually are. And that's not to say it should be taken with more gravity than any of the prior mentioned points. It's just another way to understand who you are. But keep in mind, we're all understanding circumstances and each other through our own bias lens. So it should be taken with a grain of salt and just used as a piece to the puzzle. A data point, if you will. Okay, we're on to the last point already. Number five, and this is a little bit cheesy, but it's true. Be you. Don't let others rob you of joy or try to define you. After all, it's so much work being someone else. And I just read this quote the other day that I just really, really loved. And two things that can rob you of happiness, straight up living in the past and observing others. Now, the value here in understanding who you are by being you is that you have more authentic opportunities to make sense of this extremely abstract, always fluid, ever-changing concept of self. And yes, of course, it's possible that who someone is may be an inauthentic and dishonest individual who hides from the light, but likely they're not listening to this podcast. And if they are, this is a good opportunity to deep dive into point number three. Yeah, the idea of living a life that you are proud of is one that resonates with a lot of people very well, I think. I do believe that most people are good and most people want to succeed and feel happy and that seeing other people succeed and be happy doesn't take away anything from them. 
I guess I feel the message here is being a leader for yourself so that you can be a light to others is so important. Seek authenticity. Be more honest with yourself. Maybe be more, maybe kindly honest with others and create an environment for the process of objective self-awareness. Yes, absolutely. And just something that I think is important to kind of tie a bow on this episode is I've always resonated with the idea of being forever a work in progress. You know, I'm a student of life. I'm a student of design and art and the idea of always growing and taking those moments of those hiccups or moments of challenges as lessons. And then also looking at those moments of feeling joy and success and knowing that it's never going to be this everlasting thing. It just feels like so much of life is fluid. It's just a constant give and take. And so just understanding the idea that you don't really have to have it all figured out to have a good understanding of you, who you are is so important. So I just want to end with this quote. I love the person I've become because I've fought to become her. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Check us out and find more sparkle at allthatglitterspodcast.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.